in all these churches, there were these letters that were written um, that were so important um, that were restoring faith in the church. They're restoring faith not only uh, within the church, but also for those looking from the outside in that were disheartened by what they saw in the church. It was also intended to restore the faith of those outsiders looking in. And what we try to do each week is to look at what was God trying to say to those first readers? And then what is God trying to say to our hearts today? And that's exactly where we want to head. In Philadelphia, that's the church that we're going to look at today. We're not talking about the, uh, the Philadelphia in the States. Um, we're, looking, we're talking about the Philadelphia in Asia Minor. Um, does anyone know what Philadelphia means? A city of brotherly love. That's right. It was established 160 years B.C., so 160 years before Christ. King uh, Atlas II was king of Pergamum, traveled to that region and established a new city. And out of the strange devotion to his brother, he called the city Philadelphia. And, uh, and maybe we can talk about that on Wednesday night as we recap a little bit. The city was located 25 to 30 miles southeast of Sardis. And remember, where the, these uh, letters were written in a circuit, uh, and they would have been traveled. These letters would have been written, or not written, but read aloud uh, to each of these churches. And so they were on our way back around and uh, heading to Sardis. But there were two important things in the history. Um, didn't have as much time to dive into the history, but the two things that are really important for us to capture is that this city was built on a fault line. Uh, lots of earthquakes, almost daily earthquakes, and you'll see why that's important in the early hearers of this, uh, hearing this letter would have been strengthened by some of the things that were said. And this city actually had to be rebuilt and reestablished several times. The other thing that's interesting about this city and its history is that there, several times the city was renamed. There was an identity crisis, lots of change, and what happened in the city as a whole because of the name changes and because of the instability of the ground and the day, uh, almost daily earthquakes, there was a sense of insecurity and, uh, and very interesting. I want you to read with me, uh, and if you don't have a copy of God's Word, uh, why don't we stand and we're going to read this letter, Revelation chapter 3, you can turn there with me. And uh, let's read these words. These are God's word uh, through his apostle John, the last living apostle, uh, written to the church of Philadelphia, but also written to us, the Gateway Church, and to you uh, personally. And uh, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, let's follow along. It says this, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed you before an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you you. Since you have kept my command and endured patiently, I will also keep from you or keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. 
Hold on to what you have so that, you, so that no one can take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Lord, I pray that we would listen and obey your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. This particular letter uh, follows the similar pattern that we've been looking at over these last few weeks. That there's a uh, starts with a characteristic of Jesus, then a compliment. We're going to see today it's a little different that there's no concern uh, or no correction, but a strong encouragement, and then we'll end with a compliment um, from or a commitment, I should say. But we want to start looking at the characteristics written here in verse 7, describing our Savior, Jesus Christ. Read it with me in uh, chapter 3, verse 7. Uh, follow along. It says, These are the words of Him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. I see several things here. Three things primarily. The first thing is that Jesus, He is perfect. He is holy. He is without flaw. He is pure. He, when he's saying this, writing to the churches, he is saying, I am the Holy One. I am God. He's referring to his character and his work and his purpose. Jesus is perfect. Perfection. The second thing he's saying is that he's trustworthy. He's true. He says, I'm holy and true. You can count on Jesus to speak truth. That word uh, true in the Greek is genuine, real deal, the original article, not a cheap copy or an imitation. And it's interesting, in the culture that this was written to, there were thousands of false gods. You can read about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. And Jesus is saying, I am the only one true God. The third thing you see is that he's in control. He's the boss. It says here, we've seen this in these other letters, that he's in control, that he has the power and authority. He holds a sword. But here, he uses an interesting um, uh, picture here. He says he's holding the keys of David. He's saying, I have absolute authority and power. And what was happening in the church at this point, from what I understand, is that the church was experiencing some extreme persecution. They would actually, they would have came to the synagogue, to, to the Jewish temple, and actually the doors would have been closed and locked up, and they wouldn't allow Christians to worship at the synagogue any longer. And he's saying, I hold the keys of David. I'm the one, even though you've got closed doors there. And it's actually also a reference to Isaiah 22, verse 22. But he's saying, look, I am the one who holds the key. I'm the one. And then he goes on to say, I'm the one that can open doors and I can 
shut doors. He's talking about his power and his authority. He moves on, and it's interesting that in this particular letter, the compliment to the church is the greatest of all the seven letters. In verse 8, he goes on, he says, I know your deeds. I know your deeds. Turn with me to James chapter 2. Interesting uh, section of scripture here in James chapter 2, talking about deeds and, and our works. And in verse 18, look what it says. It says, but someone will say, you have faith. He says, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. In this church in the Philadelphia, they understood that. They got it. They understood that, uh, that something would be wrong if their faith did not produce works in their lives. So the compliment said, I know your deeds. And then it goes on in verse 8, it says, I know you have kept my words. You have, de- you have not denied my name. This speaks to an obedience in of being faithful. The church of Philadelphia was a church, it, said, it actually says that they had little strength. That word strength is dunamin or power. There was nothing impressive about the church in Philadelphia. Little resources, little facilities, small numbers, zero recognition. But they went after Jesus. They were obedient and they were faithful. And God acknowledged them and compliments them in a, in a huge, huge way. The church had experienced all kinds of change, tremors, huge levels of insecurity, and they were suffering. They had been pushed out of where they were even meeting. They were locked out, but they kept the word. In verse 10, it's interesting, it says that they also kept the command and they endured patiently. Talking about an obedience, being faithful, but they were loyal. They stuck in there and they endured. This was a huge, huge compliment to the church. I mentioned already there was no concern, no correction. What's interesting is that how many times in our own lives, when difficulty hits, when suffering hits, it brings out the best in us. And that's certainly what happened to the church in Philadelphia. No correction, but instead a huge encouragement to keep up the great work that they were doing. Turn with me to John, uh, 2 John chapter, chapter uh, I should say 2 John verses 8 and 9. Listen to what it says here. It says, watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be fully rewarded. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. But whoever continues, who is faithful, the encouragement we'll see here is to be faithful, to hold on. It says, in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Huge. We see that at the end of Revelation as well. Revelation 22, verse 12. Let's look at there. It says here, Behold, I'm coming, and my reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. The encouragement was here to keep up the good work. And then in verse 11, he says, Hold on. I want you to say that with me. Hold on. Hold on in suffering. 
Suffering is something that across the universe people deal with. They are struggling. And it's interesting, the news, when you watch the news, you flip on the news, which we don't do that often. We probably should do it more than we do. What sells? I heard it once said, what bleeds, leads, right? And people are suffering. People are hurting. And that's what's in our faces many times. But the fact is, is that even as believers, and many of us are, most of us probably are this morning, that believers suffer as well, personally. And Jesus is saying, don't waver. See, suffering will either be a catalyst for faith, it'll be fertile ground, or it'll become, it'll produce uh, toxic corrosiveness in our lives. The choice is ours with God's help. And so he encourages them to hold on. In verse 11 and 12, we see a commitment. If the church of Philadelphia, and if we hold on, listen to what it says in verse 11 and 12. He says, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God. And skip down, and I will also write on him my new name. He who overcomes. Put yourself in the shoes of John, who's writing this at the Isle of Patmos. He's been exiled there. He doesn't know if he'll ever make it back to these churches. And he's writing this, telling them to hold on. Hold on. Don't lose faith. And he's saying, look, if we hold on, we will overcome together. Really powerful. He says a couple things. The first thing in verse 11, he says, he says, I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. And what's interesting is that all those in the early church there, they would have lived their lives expecting Jesus to return in their generation. Kind of like those in Hebrews 11 that are chronicled in the hall of faith, that they were believing, looking forward to the return of Christ. But the, the thing is that Jesus is still coming soon, and we need to be ready. We don't know the day or the hour, and the encouragement of all revelation is to be ready. And he says, I'm coming soon. But the second thing, he says, he who overcomes, uh, there will be protection. Verse 10, no one will take your crown. He will protect us. The third thing is that he will honor us and strengthen us. Verse 12, I love it. It says, he who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. The only thing left, from what I understand, after the first uh, huge um, uh, earthquake in 17 AD, after Jesus, uh, during the time that Jesus lived, there's a huge, were the pillars of the temple that, were, that remained. Everything else in the city had been leveled. The church in Philadelphia, they would have understood that. They would have made a connection there. And the promise was to honor them and to strengthen them. What's interesting about this church is that that church, it, the Christian influence lasted way longer than any of the other seven churches, their influence before the Muslims took over in 1300 B.C. For 1300 years, the church held on. Really powerful. The name of Jesus in that area held strong. And what the promise was in the encouragement 
uh, was that, it, that there, they would have a place of honor if they would overcome. And then the last thing is that he promised to change their name, to give them a good name. To a city that's name had been changed on numerous occasions. To a city where uh, the, the city had been in turmoil, had been destroyed and rebuilt, and uh, there was a lot of identity crisis. A good name was promised. A new name. A new start. New beginnings. And then in verse 13, he says, pay attention to all of this. Pay attention. He says, to he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. See, church, this red letter is for us. It's for you. And I see it for you and for me, for us corporately, in two different ways. The first way is in doors. It talks about that Jesus is the one that can open and shut doors. And I want to ask you this morning, what doors stand before you? Are there things standing in your way, hurdles in your life, barriers that you're up against, that you need God's help in? My goal this morning is to encourage you that no matter what you're facing today, God can help you get through it. For us as a church, can I talk to you personally? Um, some things that we've been praying for on Wednesday nights, for those that have been around. We've been praying for three different things, three different <laughs> doors that are in front of us as a church. And I share these for you to be praying about these. The first thing is that, as many of you know, today is the first day that we don't have uh, any other pastoral staff besides me, right? Pastor Mark, actually this morning, is uh, tag team preaching uh, in Cannon Falls at his new position in Cannon Falls, Minnesota. And we're proud of him, and we're excited, and I, we're looking forward to some good reports as we've sent him, and, and that's neat. But we have a need, a door in front of us as far as staffing is concerned, and we need to commit that to the Lord. Another thing that's before us is that we have considered, and we've talked about it, is that we are uh, looking uh, single focus at this point on the bowling alley, just one exit south of here, right on Van Wagner, and uh, many of you know that. And we, this week, we'll actually be sitting down with an architect again and, and working out so, some of those things. And we have a door in front of us. And we need Jesus to be speaking. He's the one that can open doors. And he's the one that can shut doors. And we need to be listening to him. The other thing that's been on my heart, and I've been sharing uh, on Wednesday nights and shared with the board, we are praying seriously about multiplying our services. And we have to do that if we believe our vision statement to be a healthy, multiplying body of believers known for making an impact in our community and our world. And today, we're down on numbers. Uh, we don't, we've got empty seats. But we, last week, the missionaries that were with us, um, they, at lunch, they, they said, uh, boy, you know, they were here and then they slipped out and we're in the kids in the, with the kids in the back. And they said, you know, man, your church seemed full. They, she said, um, Sarah said at lunch, she said, you guys need to have a second service. And I said, really? We were down probably 30 or 40 people last week from the, uh, from the previous week. And, uh, and I, said, I said, but you're right. If we're going to continue to grow, we need to multiply. 
So we need God's favor. We have this door in front of us and we're praying and we're diligently seeking the Lord saying, God, when and how are we going to do that? And so be praying for us. But there are things standing before us, doors, open doors, closed doors, maybe in regards to our career or our families or our schooling or different opportunities, things that are before us that we need to hear from the Lord. We need a prophetic word to speak into our lives that we can be obedient and walk with confidence. I need that, and you need that, whether you know it or not. But these open doors require obedience and faithfulness, loyalty and endurance, all things that the Church of Philadelphia were complimented for. Obedience and faithfulness, loyalty and endurance. So the first thing when we look at this red letter, it's about doors. And we want to address that in our lives. What are we facing today? What doors? But the second thing, and it really can tie hand in hand, but the second thing is suffering. Tremors, earthquakes in our lives. What is the tremor in your life that unsettles your life? What is it today that you're facing? Finances, health, relationships. When suffering comes, oftentimes we're, we're human, we'll say, why God? Why me? Why my family? Why now? Why not someone else? At times we'll say, God, do you even hear me? <laughs> we may not say that out loud, but we certainly feel that inside, don't we? God, do you even know I'm here? Relationships, separations, brokenness. There's some that are angry with God saying, man, if God was good, he wouldn't let this happen, right? Suffering can, be, can, can show up in so many different ways, maybe bullying at school or uh, peer group struggles. We heard this morning uh, Eric's cousin uh, get, you know, um, took his life earlier this week. Uh, a couple weeks be, ago, uh, if you're from Mona Shores or Muskegon area, you heard about the eighth grader that, that, uh, that took his life, hopelessness, right in our backyard. This isn't Detroit or Flint. That's right here. I mean, we're miles away. In fact, one of the pastors in my seven, John 17 group, the family, the, the, the kid, the eighth grader, you know what I'm talking about? You guys heard about this? He was three doors down. Didn't have a clue that this kid was struggling. In our society, maybe you're struggling with singleness, saying, God, I only need one good person. <laughs> Right? I've been praying all these years, right? Yeah. And what, what creeps in is loneliness at times. And we've got lots of singles. You come to church and you put a smile on, right? But behind that smile, you're dying inside. You're suffering. Some of us are suffering in our careers. You say, man, I can't get the training I need to, to get the promotion. Or, or I can't go back to school. Or if I did go back to school, what would it be like? Maybe there's some sort of displacement in our lives where we, you know, we were here and now we're over here and everything seems confusing. Months with no job. You're overqualified, sir. 
you're underqualified, sir. And you apply, and the answer is no. You apply again, the answer is no. You apply, the answer is no. You know what I'm saying? Suffering. It could be health-related. You'd love to have kids, but you haven't been able to. Or you know someone like that, and they're barren physically, but also spiritually it affects us. Dealing with a heart problem or dealing with Alzheimer's in your family. And the question is, why? Why? And Jesus says to you, he says to me, he says, hold on. Hold on. In our, world, in our wilderness of suffering, faith, which we've been talking about, restoring the faith in the church, faith will either go to die or faith goes to endure. To die or dare to endure. And the promise is, for those that do hold on, is that Jesus, he's coming. His promises are not lacking He's there for us. His protection, his strength and honor, he will make you a pillar and he will give you a fresh start, a fresh name, a new beginning. He will reboot. This morning we've got a guest with us that I've known for a lot of years. And uh, my wife and I have loved Flynn and his family. Uh, We've been on missions trips together. That's where we first met back when Jessica and I were teenagers. That was a long time ago, right? <laughs> and, uh, and they've watched him in, in ministry here in Michigan and then uh, in Argentina, was a missionary there for many, many years, uh, worked with Hell's Flames, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames, thank you, and, uh, and traveled all over Argentina and saw hundreds and thousands of people give their lives to the Lord. A missionary a hero, a powerful man of God and his family. Um, uh, A few years back, experienced something that no family should have to experience. And I've asked him this morning, this is the first time he's shared this publicly, but I just felt like it really fit with what what I'm talking about this morning. I've asked him to share a piece of that story and then I'm going to come back and, uh, and challenge us to consider our lives and how we can move forward. So why don't you come, Flynn? This is Flynn Clanton, missionary extraordinaire. Love this man. And uh, so share a little bit about your story and then what God's doing in your life today. Okay. I, uh, just a little background on, on who I am. I am a third generation Assembly of God kid. I grew up in the assemblies. Uh, the week that I was born, my uh, parents were very involved in their local Assembly of God church in Laporte, Indiana, and my parents printed up these flyers. My dad was a Sunday school superintendent and always looking for ways to build Sunday school attendance. So he printed up these flyers, and they were supposedly from me in, in my name, and, and I introduced myself as 
Flynn Clanton, and this is my very first Sunday at church, and I want to invite you to come to Sunday school with me since it'll be my first Sunday school attendance. So, I mean, that's how dyed in the wool, old school, assembly of God I am. We actually, I was in church uh, on Wednesday night in a small church up in central Michigan, and we sang from the hymnal. How many of you know what a hymnal is? You know what? I didn't even have to open the hymnal because I knew the words to those songs. That's how old I am. I grew up in an Assembly of God youth group. Assembly of God parents love the Lord. They're godly praying people, still some of the most godly people that I know. Went to Bible school, started ministry in 1983. So next year will be 30 years that I've been involved as an Assembly of God minister. Great experiences. God's blessed and God is faithful and merciful and kind. And I, I have no idea why he chooses to use the people that he does, but I'm so glad that he chose me. I can remember being at Fahola Camp as the assistant director of the teen camp there and having to chase down guys like your pastor, who even at that time was much, 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 much taller than me and faster running in the middle of the night trying to escape. You don't remember that. Yeah. No, not Pastor Ben. Oh, no. They, yes. In, uh, in 1986, I uh, got married. I was a single youth pastor in Detroit. Uh, got married, uh, began a family. Uh, we traveled overseas. Uh, pastor Ben and Jessica were on some of the trips. Uh, Philippines, Russia, Mexico, Mexico, all right. number of trips overseas. Uh, God really had a tug on my heart for missions, uh, even as a youth pastor. I was youth pastor for 19 years and, and uh, senior pastor as well. And God called us uh, to missions. God called uh, my wife and I individually. We can tell you the time, the hour, the, the moment that God spoke to us and uh, sent us overseas. And I came this morning to share a different story. And during the middle of the service, Pastor Ben leaned over and said, would you share what's happened in your life? And I, I haven't publicly shared this before, but I guess it's time. Um, living in Argentina, I, uh, it's interesting. We, Pastor Ben shared in, in uh, Revelation about no one can take your crown. That's true. However, we do have the option to give our crown away. And that's a sad fact of the, the Christian life and Paul said in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, he gives a warning to, to church leaders, don't uh, take care of people who fall in sin. Your, your brother who's fallen in sin, gently restore them, but then this warning follows that. But be careful because you too could fall to temptation. Christians are not immune. You can probably all say amen to that. Unfortunately, pastors and missionaries and their families are Christians too, which means they're not immune. Uh, I'll get to the point. Two and a half years ago, um, 
I was reading in James. James gives this pr- pr- progression of what happens with temptation. Desires in our heart, if left unchecked, will grow. And, and James says in James 1 that you'll be dragged away and enticed by your evil desires. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin continues to grow, and when it's full grown, sin gives birth to death. Two and a half years ago, uh, a series of temptations and desires that I was not aware of took place in my wife's heart. And long story short, uh, she gave in to those desires and temptations and was led away and enticed and and blinded by the enemy. Um, She abandoned us on the field, left the ministry left 23 years of wonderful marriage. Our home was filled with laughter and happiness and not an unkind word ever spoken in our home. I I say that you might not believe that, but that's true. Three children. um, She followed the deception of the enemy and still to this day is two and a half years later living in that deception. Uh, I'm raising three kids as a single dad, missionary dad. Um, It's a sad, sad, tragic fact of the world in which we live in, and I give no glory to the enemy. Um, But I do know that God can work in every situation to bring about his glory. And and Pastor Ben, I'm going to just turn back to you, and you can ask questions or go any farther that you want. But I want to share a, a scripture that God has has brought to my heart. I, I, I'm still an Assembly of God missionary. Uh, I've gone through interviews with the Michigan District and with our national headquarters, and I've uh, explained and shared what's happened in our family, and they've been 100% supportive, fantastic men of God. Uh, they continue to place uh, their approval on the calling of God upon my life, and so as a single Missionary, I continue. Um, my kids love the Lord, and they're serving God. My daughter's leaving in 10 days. Uh, she's given her summer away, six weeks um, of her summer, to go to Haiti and minister uh, to the tragedy that's happened down in Haiti with the earthquake and orphans. And, and so I'm excited about that. But, but this is a word that God's given me this year. It's in Isaiah chapter 43. He says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. For me, that has personal significance, not just when I was eight years old at my grandfather's couch when I kneeled and wept tears of repentance, but he's redeeming even now what the enemy has meant for evil. God is redeeming for good. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. The rest of chapter 43, it ends where the Lord says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. And that word dwell means to be consumed with. Don't be consumed with the past. I'm, I, I'll be honest with you today. I'm walking through that right now. I'm still passing through the waters and through the fire, but God's word says that I'm not going there alone. And I think you're probably passing through some some deep 
waters and some dark storms in your own life, but I want you to know that God has not abandoned you. God is there. He's walking with you and what the enemy has meant for evil in your life. God is doing a new thing. Verse 19 says, see, I am doing a new thing. It springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. God is bringing life where the enemy has brought death. God's given me an opportunity. It's interesting. I, I won't share everything that I was going to share, but as a missionary, uh, God's, God's given me an opportunity in missions. The Assemblies of God had us come back to the States from Argentina uh, for my family, for my kids, and, and just to seek God and, and direction and, and how we'll proceed. Uh, I, I'm happy to report that this is not an everyday occurrence. This doesn't happen. Uh, I've never heard of this happening before as an Assembly of God missionary. Um, and yet God is bringing light from darkness. He's bringing life from death. And I've had an opportunity uh, to follow God's call for my life still in missions. We're doing a unique ministry where um, my, my wife was tripped up on the Internet, on Facebook, and reconnecting with high school friends. And so I, I have a grudge against Mark Zuckerberg and, uh, and all of the Facebook world. Um, I really do because it's it's taken so much from me and from my family and 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 from God's plans and purposes for for this future, which now is going to be this future. But how interesting that the ministry that I'm able to do now is from that same internet that I can blame for destruction. God is using to save lives. Uh, the ministry we're involved with, we produce evangelism websites uh, that share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're in eight languages right now around the world. We've had responses. People view our web pages from 236 countries and territories around the world. In the last three years plus, we've just Easter weekend was a big milestone weekend for us. The four millionth person came and viewed our evangelism website to see a gospel of Jesus Christ presentation we have in that same weekend over 100,000 people we've got 300,000 people that have made a decision for Christ a hundred thousand of those have entered into a discipling relationship an ongoing relationship with us and, and 530 of our volunteers who minister to them on a daily basis God is doing some amazing things in our day Habakkuk 1 5 I close with this says <laughs> The Lord says, look to the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your day that you would not believe, even if you were told. And in this day, God's doing amazing things I never could have imagined. Every 15 seconds while we've been sitting here in this room today, somebody has gone to one of our evangelism websites and viewed a gospel presentation. God's doing amazing things, and I give him the glory. He's never failed He's never left me alone. And through the darkest times and through the, the most severe uh, pain and torment I could ever have imagined, God's been there. And I can say with all sincerity today, God is faithful. I hope you can see how that fits with what we're experiencing here in uh, the Church of Philadelphia. 
The reality of Flynn's story, of your story, is that life is unpredictable. It's difficult at times and can be painful. And the suffering can be uh, immense. If you can imagine with me, if there was a graph up here, and we are here, you are here, and you know where you want to go is there, right? You're here. You want to go there. Jeff Mannion from Ada Bible Church in Ada, Michigan, talks about the land between here and there. He wrote a book about it. And in that book, he talks about the the land between the suffering, the difficulty, all the pain. That land is fertile soil for God's transformation to happen. The church in Philadelphia, they understood that. God knew where they were, but God knew where they were heading as well. He wrote an incredible word of encouragement saying, There's, I can open doors that no one can open. I can shut doors that no one can, can shut. And God knows that land between is fertile ground. He says, I will, make you, I will protect you. I will give you strength and honor. I'll make you a pillar. And then he says, I'll give you a new name, a fresh start, a new beginning, a reboot, so to speak. This morning, I don't know where you are. I don't know what the Lord, uh, well, some of you, I do. I know some of the struggles that you're facing. But the Holy Spirit is desiring to meet you right now. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And uh, I want to start with that song, Healer. And uh, the words of that song just captured my heart. All through worship, I, I was saying, man, you know, I knew what I was preaching. I knew Flynn's story. I said, boy, could we do this? When we got to this song, I said, I got to ask him. And, uh, and thank you for sharing uh, that publicly. And uh, I believe that it's going to help you. But I also believe that it was a word for us this morning. That even in the darkest hours God has a plan. He's right there with you. Could we go ahead and uh, let's sing through that song. Why don't you stand here and let God just challenge our hearts. And then I'm going to come back and, and uh, I'm going to ask that no one, if at all possible, to leave in the next few moments. Um, please uh, let the Holy Spirit work in our lives as we sing through the song and then allow God to capture our hearts this morning. Amen? Amen. You hold my every moment You come my raging seas You walk with me through fire
that in the next few moments, those who have found themselves here this morning that were ready to give up, to throw in the towel, Lord, I pray that they would turn their eyes on you, Lord, that you would strengthen, gird them. Lord, those that are away from you, Lord, that they would turn to you and find salvation this morning. Lord, those that were on the edge of sin in their lives, God, I pray that they would turn away from their wicked ways, get on their knees, and seek you with all their heart. Lord, I pray, God, that you would do only what you can do, Holy Spirit. Work in hearts and lives from the youngest to the oldest, to the poorest, to the richest, tallest to shortest. God, intervene with young men, young ladies. God, intervene in these moments. In Jesus' name. If I could have your eyes just for a second this morning. I don't know all of you this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to surrender your heart to Jesus. If you found yourself here this morning and you are away from Jesus, you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, let me just explain in 30 seconds. It's the best decision that you would ever make to surrender your life to the Lord. We heard a testimony from Flynn. There's others in this room that could give you testimony of the way God can change your life. The hiddenness, the brokenness. He can transform your life. That's where it starts, is by surrendering to Him. If you're here this morning and you're ready to surrender to Jesus, would you be so bold just to lift your hand and say, that's me? Yeah. Who else this morning would say, yep, I need to surrender my life to the Lord. I need to ask Jesus to come in, be the Savior of my life. Anyone at all? Anyone else? your heart is pounding through your chest. My guess is the Holy Spirit is drawing. Don't deny that. Amen. Brother Mike, I'm going to pray with you in just a moment. I'm going to ask you to come in just a moment with the rest. I want to address the rest of us. Whether you're a believer or not, whether you're ready or not, this morning, no matter what suffering you may be facing, no matter what trial you may be facing at school or in, in society, in your career, with your health, relationships, you may be angry with God this morning. You may be so broken. You have the smile, but behind it, you're dying. No matter what the case, if you are struggling this morning and you want God's help to hold on, like the encouragement was. I'm going to ask that as we sing through this again, that you just come. And I'm going to ask Flynn and Jessica uh, and the elders of the church to come. And we're going to pray. We're going to lay our hands on you and ask God to intervene into your life. Supernatural favor to face what you're facing today. It could be something small, something life whatever it is. Would you come? Let's believe God. As the words of the song say, let's go ahead. You 
hold my every moment. You calm my raging seas. This is what Jesus offers. You walk with me. You heal whatever we're facing. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. And come, we want to pray with you this morning. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You hold my every moment. You calm my raging seas. You walk with me through fire.
Revelation chapter 2, verse 2, to the church of Ephesus, Jesus said, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. To the church of Smyrna, Jesus said, I know your afflictions. To the church of Pergamum, he says, I know where you live. To the church of Thyatira, he says, I know your deeds, your love, your faith, your service, your perseverance. To the church of Sardis, which we talked about two weeks ago, he says, I know your deeds. And again this morning, Jesus said to the church of Philadelphia, he says, I know your deeds. He knows where you are. He hasn't forgotten you. He has promises, huge promises for you today to face whatever you are facing. Huge promises for each and every one of us. And for that, I am personally grateful and corporately. We need to be grateful, don't we? Aren't you thankful for what God does? He hasn't forgotten us. Let's give him a praise offering. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, God. Thank you, Lord, for your word. For your word, God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And thank you, Flynn, for sharing. Aren't you thankful for Flynn, for missionaries like this? Amen. You know what the word hallelujah means, right, Brendan? It means praise the Lord. And then I love what it says at the end of that little chorus, our God reigns. Could we all stand wherever you are? Let's sing that with power and with some gumption within us as we leave this morning. Amen? Amen? Let's, let's shout it out. Hallelujah. Our God reigns. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Lead us out. 
praise you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Sing it from the bottom of your heart. Hallelujah. We praise you, God. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Sing it. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Oh, yes, he does. We sing hallelujah. 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 ushers thank you um i'm not sure who our ushers are this morning but that's good <laughs> thank you so we can give on our way out you haven't worshiped all the way till you gave right couple quick announcements uh in a couple weeks is our feed america truck on the 16th we need all hands on deck that saturday morning we'll talk about that later that afternoon there's an event at the park in muskegon uh, and there's several of us that are going to go and participate in an outreach. We'll talk about more about that next week as well. Um, other than that, go in the grace of God tonight, youth group. You're not going to want to miss it, students. It's going to be awesome. I love you. God bless you. And uh, make sure you give on your way out. Amen? Amen. You can put on a CD there.